Welcome to Pop Psych 101, where we, licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad and licensed psychologist Dr. Haley Roberts, break down and analyze how mental health is represented in movies, shows, books, and across the pop culture and social media landscape. We will determine what lines up with real life and what is just pop culture fantasy. This is Pop Psych 101. Welcome back to Pop Psych 101. I am licensed therapist Ryan Engelstad, here as always with my co-host, Dr. Haley Roberts. Hello, hello. Hello, Haley. We are back for, I don't remember doing an episode of Pop Psych where we covered the same thing again. So this might be our first Sequel. repeat. Well, it's <laughs> yeah. not a repeat. It's season two. Yeah. I'm excited about it because this is such a good one. Well, we couldn't not do it because the season two of Ted Lasso, which we're going to be talking about today, just so intentionally dives into mental health issues that even though we we covered season one in a previous episode of Pop Psych, we couldn't not do season two. So um, we are going to get into all of that after the break. But first, I know you all might be listening to this at the end of the summer, but for us, it is still springtime. And luckily, that means the start of some summer vacations, at least for me. So, Haley, it brings to mind, you know, I know we both like to travel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we we both probably have like our typical vacation spots. But COVID has had me sort of daydreaming at times of just like, well, what if I could go anywhere, anytime? Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't that be nice? And wouldn't wouldn't it be nice if the world supported that? So I'm going to ask you this hypothetical question. If you could teleport to anywhere in the world let's just say for a week for a week's vacation where would you go and why yeah anywhere (laughs) anywhere yeah the first thing that pops to mind uh would be new zealand um i'd love to just like i don't know rent like a camper van and drive around new zealand go snowboarding go just like hanging out down um at the lower altitudes um, I've never been to New Zealand, but I would love it. And I also think that it's one of the places that it's just harder to get to. Right. Um, it feels like a bigger yeah. trip you have to plan. Yeah. And usually when I'm going to the Southern Hemisphere, I'm going to South Africa. And so nice. So the, the Australias and the New Zealands haven't happened yet, but they're they're on the list. What about you? Yeah, that's a cool one. So not, not Hobbit Trail, New Zealand. Oh, yeah. No, I couldn't care less (laughs) too touristy yeah um that's i mean i'm sure i could care less about some things but yeah no it's like (laughs) not it's not that interesting not on your itinerary okay that's fair maybe if you were there for a month you might stop by well if i if it's like oh on your drive you're passing it i would on your way like oh yeah i'll definitely (laughs) stop and see that that's cool but it's definitely not like that i need to go there to see this thing I think there's probably enough other stuff going around, uh, going on there yeah. to your point. Yes. Yeah. And it's just so beautiful from what I've heard. So, so yeah. Nice. Yeah. How about you? Where are you, where are you popping off to? Well, I'm of two minds with this because my wife and I joke that depending on when our vacation is and sort of what our goal is, I either want to do like museums and crazy food experiences and like Mm -hmm. history and town and culture Mm -hmm. or i want to sit on a beach for a week and Uh not do anything Uh well like you know do like beachy things but nothing else Uh 
So I don't know if there are a lot of places where you can do both of those things. Spain. But the thing that the place that like most comes to mind for me, and I've been I've been to Italy before, but we had a very brief experience with their like Mediterranean beach uh-huh. lifestyle. Yeah. And I only got to do a little bit of we did like we didn't do Venice. Oh, I love Venice. Oh, we did Yeah, and exactly. So I want to be able to go somewhere where I could go to a beach. Mm-hmm. And hang out for, I don't know, like two or three days. Uh-huh. What's that, like the Amalfi Coast? Or is that Greece? I don't know. Mediterranean Sea areas. Mm-hmm. Greece is and, really and nice. then whenever I felt like it, probably like hop on a train to some 2,000-year-old yeah. churches and museums and obviously amazing food as well. Yeah, that's great. I actually, I went to Galway in 2019 and oh, they had yes. both nice beaches and museums. But you've got to be so careful with Ireland because you could have which what I had, which was like really lovely warm weather, or it could just be yes. cold the whole time. <laughs> and it's not it's not reliable. I'll cold and rainy up. the whole time. Yeah, yeah, we've we've done Ireland as well. It's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm thinking right now, and maybe that's just because I have like a carb craving. But I'm okay with that. I've never been to Rome, so like Rome is another one like thousands of years of history and and old stuff that'd be really cool yeah rome's super interesting what i love about those older cities is there's so many like hole in the wall quote-unquote restaurants Mm. which are actually just like an old couple who are like running it out of their like entry hall (laughs) Um, yeah like the best food you'll have is in is in like a weird alley with a door that's not yeah it's like it's just not labeled outside come on in you're like okay i guess just making chicken yeah Yeah, yeah. totally yeah so funny yeah so let's let's teleport yeah so that so that we can we can dream of that and that that being a reality in our world sometime again soon hopefully yeah. So we'll just uh, we'll just have a, a nice uh, imaginary journey to uh, season two of Ted Lasso right after this break. Hey everyone, Ryan here. No ad this week, but a quick request. We would love to know where you follow us. So if you wouldn't mind taking 10 seconds while you're listening to today's episode, reach out to us on your social media of choice. Say hi, say what's up, request an episode topic. We would love to hear from you. And now back to the episode. Pop Psych 101 discusses mental health as it is portrayed in pop culture media. And because of this, we often cover sensitive topics that can be triggering for some listeners. We also delve into the characters and plots of these stories, and therefore, spoilers abound. So please, use your discretion as you listen to the rest of the episode. Ted Lasso stars Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso, a small-time college football coach from Kansas, hired to coach a professional soccer team in England despite having no experience coaching soccer. And this is season two of Ted Lasso, airing on Apple TV, wherever you stream your streams. (laughs) Um, So season two picks up Ted Lasso and Richmond AFC um, after they've been relegated and... Uh, season two picks up actually we're already a couple games into the season where they've had a, a streak of ties very frustrating for any uh sports team just to have a bunch of ties mm-hmm. and then in the first episode of season two danny mm-hmm. one of the star strikers for the team unfortunately and tragically accidentally uh kills the team dog during a penalty shot 
So that emotional moment that the whole team experiences, and Danny in particular, leads Ted and Richmond AFC to uh, getting a therapist. And uh, the moment that I feel, Haley, we have to jump in on Mm -hmm. is Ted's initial reaction to the idea of bringing a therapist in. Uh Um, Because Higgins mentions like, oh, yeah, you know, a lot of teams do this and they've had some great success with it. Um, And I will I will lead you in with what do you see from Ted's reaction to this initial idea? A very Ted reaction, (laughs) which is very Ted. uh, No matter how hesitant or reluctant he is that smile and positive attitude stays stuck on his face yeah i think the the quote that he ends up saying is i have a general apprehension and a modern midwestern skepticism which that's right absolutely describes how he feels about it like he's not into the idea but he is the coach that is like supports everybody's idea kind of no matter what and i think he finds himself caught between those two things well, yeah, and you marked in the notes, it's one of the funniest sort of subtle moments where they sort of like sound good and he says yes, but he shakes his head no. Oh, uh-huh, yep. <laughs> Which I just love because unless you're really paying attention to his like emotional, like nonverbal reaction, uh-huh. it just sounds like, oh man, Ted's just fully on board. Like what yeah. a great guy, even though he has skepticism. And it's like, no, <laughs> well, obviously we see as it builds up and we meet uh, Dr. Sharon he's actually very opposed to this idea (laughs) and that opposition only builds and builds as he gets to know her. Uh Um, Yeah. And beard looks at him like, wait, but you're shaking your head. No, but you're saying yes. And beard's just like, I'm just going to let that one slide. (laughs) So yes, beard, the king of like nonverbal reactions Mm -hmm. of the, of the series. We love a coach beard. Uh, (laughs) Just eye reaction. Uh Uh-huh. So yeah, so they bring Dr. Sharon Fieldstone in and and she's great and we'll talk all about her, but I wanted to kind of touch on this this quote that you brought up and we'll we'll do a whole bunch of quotes I think maybe in an extra piece about uh Ted Lasso here. Yeah. But the sort of bonus episode. Yes, a bonus episode, but the sort of midwestern skepticism and a general apprehension. I think that's a really relatable way to identify how a lot of people feel about therapy yeah you know this sort of idea of like uh yeah mm-hmm. good for them if uh-huh. they're in therapy but yes. I, don't, I don't know i mean okay sure uh-huh. i'm sure you've experienced that you know whether it's for me it's working with people who are you know maybe mandated into treatment for one reason or another i've worked mm-hmm. with a lot of people in those situations but you get it a lot from parents or partners or kids of uh, people that we're working with as well. So what's your sense of people who have maybe that sort of sense of skepticism? Yeah, I think there were pockets of the world where it's always been an option. Um, And I think those are like Freudian psychoanalytic pockets. So like New York jumps to mind and then like um, places in Germany and Austria, like they kind of jumped to mind. Um, But I think in general, the theme was therapy is for people who are sick or like people who have problems. Whereas now we're starting to realize that therapy is for people who are human because we all have moments of struggle. And I think because of that, like generationally younger 
people are more comfortable going in and speaking with a therapist. But I'm also finding that like the older generations today are seeing it as an option, whereas as teenagers and young adults, it certainly was not an option and they never would have considered it. But I think that that idea of general apprehension and um, skepticism definitely is often how when people call me and they say, you're the first therapist that I'm talking to, they generally say like, I'm not really sure what this is. Like, I'm not really sure how to do this or what is happening. And I always love that because I'm like, great, you're already doing it. Yes. Like we're yes. just calling me and talking to me. This is what it is. Um, and we'll work on it together and we'll we'll piece it together. But yeah, Ted's definitely not alone. I think that room as a whole uh, really de- kind of described how community as a whole feels about it, where some people were like, yeah, this is a logical option. And other people were like, mm, I don't know. And other people, I think Roy was just like, no, absolutely not. Like, not for me. So I think there was like yeah. the range of of experience there. Yeah. And as the episode progresses and we meet uh, the doc, we get a little bit more insight into Ted's uh skepticism and apprehension he admits to dr beer uh, dr beard he admits to beard Ooh, he's, he, feels like a doctor he, got, sometimes. He, he got a uh, promotion <laughs> yes uh he admits to coach beard that his previous experience with therapy his only previous experience with therapy uh-huh. was in couples counseling where his wife who was seeing a therapist brought him in for a couples counseling session mm-hmm. now i don't know your thoughts about that but my immediate response was Oh, I don't, I don't know that that's how it's supposed to be. You know, obviously you, we can, you can bring family members and you can bring mm-hmm. spouses into sessions, you know, with your therapist, mm-hmm. but a couple's counseling session with one of the partners, especially if they've had that therapist for a long time. I don't know. I mean, for me, that sometimes does set up the exact experience that Ted ended up having, mm-hmm. which is sort of feeling immediately on the defensive and just feeling like he was being brought in to sort of be attacked for all the things that he didn't know he was doing wrong. Yeah, I had that same reaction. Now, I think in smaller communities or communities where there's not as much access to different types of therapists, the overlap of individual therapy and couples therapy happens. Uh, generally, sure. counselors don't want to do that um, for the reason you just described, which is this this therapist knows his wife and knows how she feels about mm-hmm. him and knows the things that make her uncomfortable and unhappy and like knows her view of Ted. So when Ted comes in, this therapist now has her own ideas of what she thinks Ted is like without having ever met him before. And you can't separate that from the work at hand. And then so even let's say this was a really good couples therapist who was doing a really good job of like not taking sides or things like that. She's naturally going to need to ask more questions of Ted because she doesn't know Ted. She doesn't know where he's coming from. Whereas Mm -hmm. his wife, she'll be like, oh, I don't have to ask for this clarification about what she means because I already know. And I think that that could really lead to it feeling like, you know, like focused on Ted and and he said like he felt really attacked in that. And, and I would think so if you have two people basically staring at you, expecting you to answer for yourself and the other person not needing to do it in the same way, 
uh, that does become very one-sided. Right. And obviously the long-term results of their relationship situation was that they ended up getting divorced. Mm-hmm. And Ted even acknowledges like, you know, if, if, if she heard me referring to her as my wife, you know, mm-hmm. she would be really upset about it. So it's mm-hmm. like, there's still a lot there for him mm-hmm. and the sort of way in which he looks at therapy, even potentially contributing to the ways that it, in which the relationship ended. So, yeah. you know, he's got some hangups and, and we can understand why once he sort of explains it a little bit. But then we start to see some of that actual, you know, relationship development. Um, we see Ted's attempt to, let's say, uh, get in with her in the same way that he got in with Rebecca over time, over mm-hmm. the course of season one. Mm-hmm. And I just loved seeing her just sort of immediately have really good boundaries with uh-huh. him, uh-huh. you know, because it would have been really easy to just kind of take on that Midwestern charm and just sort of like, yeah, come on in. Sure. Give me shortbread cookies and mm-hmm. and yeah, let's have a grand old chat about, you know, the the soccer team. But she doesn't really go for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, people I've talked to and, you know, obviously we get you know, some more of Dr. Sharon's personality Mm -hmm. over the course of the season. But I think Ted's reacting to what he perceives as a general coldness, right? Those boundaries, Mm -hmm. it's just like coldness, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I try to give you cookies and you say you're sugar free. Mm -hmm. I try to make jokes and you just kind of stare there and look at me. Mm -hmm. You know, I try to do this and do that. And it's like none of it is is playing well for Mm him. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think so there's boundaries and then there's unkindness and I don't think she's mm-hmm. well I also don't think she's unkind but she's No, I, I wouldn't say that either. She yeah. is cold with him, right? So there's other people that she immediately meets them at their level. The way that we see it repeatedly is when she meets with people who speak French and who speak Spanish, she immediately is like yes. you know like Hola, you know, and like greets them like in their language and like meets them where where they're at and where they need her to be. With Ted, she comes in real cold. And so like, for instance, there are patients that I've had that also come in with this like intense, like, well, I'm going to win you over by smiling and being I'm going to be your best friend. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And I definitely also put up those boundaries pretty quickly, but I'll give like a smirk or like a recognition that their joke is intended to be a joke and things like that because rapport is really important and like not leaving Mm -hmm. people standing there feeling like crap like is important when it comes to rapport and I kind of feel like okay so this is my take is I kind of feel like they kind of hint that like, oh, she's so good at her jobs that she knows right off the bat that this is what he needs. But then they also play her as, well, I didn't know that this is what you needed. This was just my reaction to you. Mm. And both I'm like, I don't really love either of those because if that was just her reaction to him as a professional, she should have handled it better. And we all know that I hate the narrative of like therapists just know what people need just by looking at them. Just like have a magic touch thing. Yeah. 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 So I don't love how she approaches him at the beginning. I do love that when he's in her room and he brings that to her, she just sits and watches him because at that point there's an agreement that like, we're going to engage in a way that 
is meaningful for you. And so when he goes off on his whole rampage about like, do I lie down? Do I sit up? Do I put the pillow here? Do I not? Yeah. Oh man. Fascinating to watch. She just watches him, which is, I'm guessing what I would have done too. And when they were done, I would have been like, you, you comfortable? Like you're ready to go. Are you okay? Uh, Yeah. yeah, um, Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think those are my overall reactions as like kind of time passes because she's pretty aggressive. So this is what's funny. So I know that we call me Dr. Haley when we like introduce me, but I'm not like attached to my title at all. But in the beginning when he calls her doc, which as somebody who has been called that and thinks that it's like a really fun thing to be called when she goes, it's doctor. I was like, whoa, like, Uh, okay. Yeah. He's not trying to undermine you, right? Like, so if somebody, like, if somebody came into my session and called me Miss as like a way to like tell me that they know more than me or they are older than me and they are more knowledgeable than me or something like that, I would respond by referring to myself when I talk to them as like from Dr. Roberts and stuff like that to, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of be like, look, I do play a role in this, but to just like off the bat demand to be called doctor when somebody's calling you doc, I was like, that's pretty aggressive right off the bat. Well, yeah. And even the, one of the first interactions, you know, she asked coach Lasso, like, are you good at your job? And he's sort of like, I don't know where this is going. Yeah, I think so. Uh-huh. And she's basically like, good. Cause I'm twice as good at mine. Mm-hmm. So she's, she comes in hot in that. And look, and we can, like, I think it's okay to be confident in your ability to do your job well. Mm-hmm. But I think the way Ted in particular receives that is sort of like, oh, so you're going to try to basically like mm-hmm. tell me what to do or tell me whether or not I'm doing a good job. So now all of a sudden he's on the defensive just yeah. sort of automatically yeah. because he had such, you know, prior to showing up, like yeah. there was no question that his imprint on this team he, it was him. It was a reflection of him. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and especially and when we see history. totally, and when we see some of the the various uh, members of the team starting to go see her, and have like, which I thought was funny, um, like Danny has his first session with her, and he just <laughs> like, comes bounding out of the session <laughs> like football is death and football is life, and uh-huh. she showed me all these things in her first session, which. Uh-huh realistically would have just been sort of an initial evaluation uh-huh. but i'll let that go <laughs> and it's just like danny's all better and look uh-huh. he can do corner kicks you know so he starts to feel like well i i could have told him that football is death and life like uh-huh. what she what thing did she do that mm-hmm. was so special that mm-hmm. that I, he couldn't have just gotten from me yeah I mean, he's not wrong, right? Like we can get the support that we get from therapists, from other people. And a lot of people do. The difference is it's a unique relationship in that Ted decides Danny's fate and Ted plays a role in Danny's life. And so Ted doesn't have the freedom to just speak with Danny in a way where Danny can speak back and engage. Whereas Dr. Sharon does like, she Mm -hmm. is like, you know what? Like I don't talking to me doesn't affect anything. All it is is talking. Um, And so that's definitely the difference there. Yeah. I think it's hilarious that he's just like better after one session. (laughs) I do want to say that this role. So being a team therapist is a unique role that is not the same as 
um, what you and I would do if we found a therapist or what, what of course. A, an average person would do if they found a therapist. Um, and there are many athletes who have their own individual therapists outside of their sport and then also have their team therapist. Generally, the case is that the team therapist is a little bit like a school counselor in that like people can come to them and talk to them individually one-on-one for therapy, but also that therapist is kind of there with the focus of how to get you to perform better. And a lot of time, someone's stress at home or with their family, with their relationships Mm. after killing a dog, like those things are the things that are getting in the way that are generally giving them the yips, but it's slightly different. And so Sharon, Dr. Sharon does some things with the team (laughs) that you and I would never do with patients, right? So the way she kind of Of casually engages with Ted would be inappropriate in an individual private practice. It's not inappropriate in her role because she's actually just an employee of the team. And so it actually looks a little bit different. There is still like confidentiality and things like that, but it really... Mm -hmm kind of depends on the contract, like who the patient is and sometimes the, or who the client is. Like sometimes it's the team in which case like confidentiality looks slightly different. Um, but it's up to the therapist to let each person that they meet with know, like how much of this stays between you and me and how much of this can I talk to coaches about and things like that. But that, yeah. Um, I kind of went on a little bit of a tangent there, but I thought that that it's important to kind of know how her role is slightly different than mm-hmm. than like yours. And my yeah. Role. So in other words, it's it's not that going to talk to Doctor Fieldstone would have required like a whole history taking. Like Danny could just come in and be like, yes. I don't know what's wrong with me. I you know I, I try to kick a a penalty kick and mm-hmm. I just sky it every time I see I see a cartoon dog. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and it's like, okay, cool, let's deal with that. So they could jump right in in mm-hmm. that sense, but yeah. it still feels a little miracle-ish, oh, um, sort 100%. of him just sort of bounding out yeah. <laughs> after to one after fair, one session. Of all the yeah. patients that I feel, or of all the the players that I feel could have gone in and had a fix like that that quickly, Danny's definitely the one because it. That's fair point. Because yeah. he's so enthusiastic about life that it feels like if you can just identify why this is a part of life and why this is okay. I could see him being like, this too is beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Just kind of get him, get him back to that grounded state that he's already in. Yeah. Yeah. Do I think it would happen that quickly and that enthusiastically? I do not, but also like of all the characters, it's the one that it actually makes the most sense for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so you know we we see these sort of initial uh, interactions, and Ted's a little bit concerned, a little bit suspicious about why now you know after that positive experience with Danny, now she's just sort of as you said, seeing all the different mm-hmm. members of the team and all their different languages, and things are starting to develop for the team, and in, in good ways, right? So, mm-hmm. Doctor Sharon is, and I, and one of the sort of interactions I really liked, where after she observes practice for a whole day. You know, they kind of check in with each other, and uh, she said, "Oh, I was gonna like leave you a voicemail," and Ted just wants the the feedback right then and there in the parking lot. And she kind of says, "Well, it's basically like, yeah, sure, everything's fine. Everyone's kind to each other. Like you've built a very like supportive environment here." Mm-hmm. 
but is tying eight matches in a row like the standard that you're looking for Mm -hmm. and it's like oh man and like she still comes in she comes in real hot and i think uh maybe that is what ted needs Mm -hmm. and he is pretty receptive to it um outside of that like therapeutic environment at least at that stage Mm -hmm. but i think that's of course sort of speaks to the what we're talking about like the role of the therapist in this context it's Mm -hmm. like yeah everybody can be well regulated emotionally but that's not the only purpose of having a therapist on an athletic team like the one we're talking about that there's actually additional goals that could be addressed um, that don't have to do anything with like you know childhood or Mm -hmm. whatever it might be yes so um we for the I think it was called Going for Gold episode. We had Dr. Shane Sines on, and he is a sport and performance psychologist. And I think what's really important about that is what I like about the phrase sport and performance is that Mm -hmm. what it shows is that it's not an emphasis on psychologists. It's an emphasis on your performance, right? And so that that conversation that they have says that like, you guys are great. You're, you're happy, confident people for the most part. However, your performance is poor. So I'm here to help you as a team get through that so that you can perform better. And then what we as an audience know, and what Sharon starts to figure out pretty easily is that a lot of it actually has to do with Ted. Because the way that Ted is leading is not to the best of his ability because of his own fears and his own anxiety and his own apprehension. And so he's kind of like, yep, even if I don't like it, it's good. I, you know, keep just, at least we're not losing kind of an attitude. Like that's kind of his vibe. Um, And that's how they're playing. Um, Yeah. Well, right. And some of the, one of the strategies he tries, which uh, Dr. Shan observes is, summoning led tasso Uh right uh this sort of alter ego jekyll and hyde version of himself Uh where you know an attempt to kind of make the team band together against him Mm -hmm. you know he tries this sort of i don't even know how we would call it i mean it's just like it's uh it's like a doppelganger an evil doppelganger of him Mm -hmm. where he's just coming in hot yelling at people making them run laps insulting them to their faces and Everyone is sort of confused and horrified, mm-hmm. um, especially Beard. Uh-huh. Well, Beard's <laughs> um, because obviously he's it. seen this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he's seen him try this before, uh-huh. um, and he's basically says it's like the worst case scenario. <laughs> and it was interesting, you know, from a like a motivational mental health standpoint, because I think this sort of dynamic that Ted is going for, right, the sort of unite the team against me or against the. Mm-hmm presence that i'm being right the thing that they're not used to you know reminded me of some aspects of therapy one in which i've sort of utilized myself um when i worked with a young adult group god this is years ago now but you know uh group therapy uh can be uh challenging at times right group dynamics Mm -hmm. can be up and down much like running a, a football team and my co group leader and i won one group day decided to kind of basically like, especially if the group wasn't, you know, going particularly well, that we were just going to kind of take a big step back and be like, okay, if this is how group's going today, 
it's yours to run. We're just going to sit here and and listen and basically like, yeah, we're here because, you know, there has to be a therapist in the room by uh-huh. law, but <laughs> we're done. Uh-huh. How did it go? So kind of, you know, have have at it, like, have, you know, run this group however you want for the rest of today's session. And, you know, thinking back on that, much like Beard, it, there's this sort of inner, like, I don't know if this actually works. I don't know if this is effective. Is this helpful? Who is this helping? Are we just grasping at straws? But I do think it is a sort of, I don't know if I'd say it's a tactic as much as a like an attempt on a therapist's part to kind of shake things up. Mm-hmm. Like, obviously, the dynamic that's in play right now is not working. Yeah. Whether it's a group dynamic, a family dynamic, a couple's dynamic. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that because... I, I don't know. Part of me was almost like apprehensive about like, is it okay that I did this uh-huh. in retrospect? I, I sort of have mixed feelings about it, uh-huh. you know, whatever it is 10 years later. Mm-hmm. So what's your impression of, I guess, obviously Ted's attempts at this, uh-huh. but also like in therapy, like, is this yeah. something that sort of makes sense to utilize sometimes? Yeah, I think it's great to use sometimes. I don't think, I think like Beard said, it's one of the last attempts. And I'm thinking particularly with a group of like teenagers and young adults, it's a good take because oftentimes what they're rebelling against in group is the fact that there's another adult telling them what to do. And so to have an adult be like, you know what? You're right. I'm not going to tell you what to do. It gives them the opportunity to step up and do it. And in the moments that I've taken things like that in groups with with young teenagers, inevitably there's one that steps up and that goes, guys, let's just do this. Like, let's just do it and get it done. Yes. And what I like about that is it's not important that I'm good at running a group. It's important that the people who are there are doing what needs to be done for themselves. And I think for and also actually in, in individual therapy, like there have been times where I've come in and I've been like, you know what? I've been trying really hard and it feels like no matter what I do, you've got a reason why this isn't helpful or this is not for you. And okay, then what is for you? Like, what can we do? And if they say nothing, I go like, okay, well then why do you keep coming every week? Like if nothing that I do is helpful, why are you here? Now, obviously, I have that discussion in a way that is within the rapport that I have with the person. Um, Of course. But I definitely think, like, it's super beneficial. It also, like, I think in a marriage, in a friendship, I think those conversations can also be meaningful of, like, I feel like I'm trying really hard and it's not working anymore. What now? Um, But again, being very careful how you have that conversation with the person that you're having it with. Of course. Um, When it comes to Ted's team, he knows that the person who's going to step up and say, like, this is stupid is Jamie, because Jamie is the only one who steps up and says, this is stupid. (laughs) Like, no matter what it is, he's the one that's like, very comfortable saying that. Yeah, this is dumb, Um, which is exactly what needs to be said in that moment. Right. And so the other guys are kind of like, hey, we don't like it. And like, hey, please stop. But then Jamie's like you need to stop this. Like, this is dumb. And then Ted takes that moment to be like, fine, you've earned the team practice canceled or whatever. And they're all like, thank goodness. And what he's done there is he's not only given them a common enemy of himself, but he's given Jamie an opportunity to step up for the team in the way that the team was not letting him do. 
Um, and so Ted created this situation where he had them step up. Um, and so there's definitely this concept of common enemy that can bind people together. Um, it happens in couples therapy. Like sometimes a therapist kind of takes like a, well, this is just not going to work. It seems like kind of approach so that the couple can be like, no, 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 we want right now. Suddenly they're on the same page. Now they have to defend the relationship or now they have to defend themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And they realize like, oh no, this is something I want to fight for instead of just fighting against Mm -hmm. the other partner. Right. However, it's actually what I really like that the show did is yes, the common enemy brought the team together a little bit, but what really actually brought this team together was a shared value. So when, Mm. and lovingly enough, it was Jamie who also sparked this moment. But um, when Sam covered up the, the logo on the Jersey, which that episode makes me cry every time. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The team suddenly had a shared, they shared something with meaning, right? And so they were all working towards something together and that brings people together so much more than disliking some something or someone. And you see it a lot in friendship groups. Like when there are those friend groups where like they're bonding over like, Oh, we don't like this person or we don't like this thing. Mm-hmm. Those friendships are kind of tentative. Like they're based on like, as long as we all dislike the same thing, we're good, but like if that goes away, then what? Um, as opposed to like, yep. hey, let's find stuff that we do like and is meaningful and let's work towards that together. That brings people together so much more. Yeah, I totally agree. That's, you know, when, when we're doing like goal setting, it's it's not, you know, what do you want to stop doing? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, okay, that's that's important, but what do you want to do instead? Mm-hmm. What what are we moving towards, not just what are we moving away from? Yeah. Um yeah, so so I really like that. Yeah, I always tell people what when they say like, well, I don't want to X, Y, and Z, I go, what does that tell you about what you do want? Mm-hmm. And our mind doesn't like gaps, right? I say this all the time. Absence, and so if you yeah. say, I don't want to walk down the street anymore, it's like, okay, well, what do you want to do in place of that? So if you need to get somewhere and you don't want to walk down the street, what do you want to do? Oh, well, I want to walk a safer direction or I want to walk. Okay, great. What's a safer direction? Right. I don't want to do X doesn't tell you anything, but the I do want to do gives you a direction to, to work in. Yeah. And we see uh, Ted starting to work in a direction or at least uh, start and stopping uh, a lot once he his his stress his anxiety kind of gets to the the peaking point of a panic attack in the middle of a match mm-hmm. against Tottenham i think in episode 6 he walks off the field in the middle of the at that point like the most important game of the season and luckily the team sort of rallies and and wins the game but he is you know despite his excuse of food poisoning not in a great place and dr sharon finds him in her office late that night and then they finally sort of embark on an actual therapeutic relationship mm-hmm. despite him like two or three times in a row like trying to start the session and then leaving and slamming the door mm-hmm. for various reasons mm-hmm. one of which i wanted to kind of ask you about because i see it fairly frequently which is ted <laughs> 
makes the point of, oh, and, and, you know, how much do you get paid or how much, how how long is the session mm-hmm. is the first question. It's like, oh, well, you know, we do 50 minutes or 45 minutes. And he's like, you get paid by the hour though, right? And she's like, yes. You know, and he sort of bites on that. And it's like, well, you see, all of this is, is BS. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's basically not for me. He jumps out of his chair, slams the door and he's done. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and the next time he comes back, as he said, he doesn't quit. So he does come back. And Sharon, Dr. Sharon, to her credit, I thought, like, confronts that moment and that idea really well. Mm -hmm. You know, she basically says, you know, I love this sort of line of questioning from her, which was, would you coach for free? And he's like, yeah, of course I would. And it's like, do you coach for free, though? No. Okay. Mm -hmm. And because you get paid, does that mean you care any less about your players? Well, no, of course not. Of course I care about them. Okay. Mm -hmm. So then is it okay for me if I get paid and I do whatever 50 minute sessions Mm -hmm. and I also, is it also possible that I care about you? Can all of those things be true? And, you know, he kind of takes that and and, and it finally kind of clicks for him that they are in many ways, like in similar positions. Mm -hmm. And I just loved that we were able to kind of see his walls start to come down mm-hmm. as she stayed right there with him. She didn't say, oh, no, you can't come back in my office. You've been you've slammed the door and, and left two sessions in a row. You know, she didn't reject him because he, you know, insulted her profession. She was right there with him every time he was willing to try again. Mm-hmm. She was there. And I just thought that was a really powerful display of, you know, what therapy with someone who is, skeptic uh, and apprehensive mm-hmm. about it can really look like. Yeah. So how do you deal with, because I imagine maybe patients as they have with me sort of like get stuck on this idea of, do you really care about me or is this just a job for you? Which mm-hmm. is basically what Ted sort of accuses uh, Sharon of. Yeah. One thing that I want to also address is the idea of like, because I hear this so often, the 50 minute session Sure. But the like the hour yeah. pay or like whatever. Therapy hour. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. We get paid for an hour of work. 50 to 55 minutes of that is face-to-face therapy. And that's like if Ted only got paid for showing up to practice and to games, if he only got paid for that, that would be like us only getting paid for our 50, 55 minutes. But Ted gets paid to watch video and to come up with plays and to think about which players will play best where. And that's what our extra five, 10 minutes is, is we take notes, we do billing, we look up resources that we offered you, we schedule, we right, we do all these other things that are work for this patient in that what usually ends up being five minutes. Um, and so we do, we get paid for an hour's worth of work, um, and 50, 55 minutes of that work is face-to-face therapy. The other is paperwork. And so I think that that's really important because people are like, well, I'm paying you for an hour. Yes. You're paying me for an hour of work, but actually I never word it as an hour. I always word it as a 50 or 55 minute session because that's what people are getting from me. With regard to this concept of, um, is it just a job for you? Do you really care? I don't get that question Okay. very often. That's good. I don't even know <laughs> that I've ever gotten it. Now, I'm going to give this answer, and I think people need to realize, like, I'm somebody who's very matter-of-fact about life in so many ways. And my thing is, like, 
it does not matter if I care about my patients or, or not, as long as they feel cared for. That's all that matters. So if I am in that time that they see them, see me, each week they feel that this is a person who shows up, who cares for me, who wants to hear from me, who wants to help me. Like if when that computer closes or that door closes, whether I continue to care about them or not does not matter. And people don't love to hear therapists say stuff like this because the whole thing is like the relationship and people like to think that a relationship has to be kind of this all-consuming thing no matter who the relationship is with and I see it a lot when somebody's like oh they're my best friend and then I'm like are you their best friend and like people are like don't ask me that question I don't want to think that it's different on different sides and Mm. and I'm like but why does it matter if they play a Mm-hmm. A huge so for example, some self-disclosure, my best friend, her best friend is somebody that she has known since she was born. So like of course I don't have that role in her life because I haven't known her that right. long, but I don't have anybody in my life like that. So she is the most amazing friend that I have. And mm-hmm. I think that that's really important for people to know is that like the way that you feel about a relationship, as long as that person is meeting those needs, that's all that really matters. Now, if a patient brought it up to me, I'm guessing I would ask them, do you feel cared for? Like, am I meeting your needs? And if they said like, yeah, I think so. And then I'd say like, well, there you go. I care for you. Cause that's what it yeah. is. Right. Now, also that being said, like, 99% of my patients I really like. Like I really like the people that I work with. Yeah. Um, whether I think yeah. about them after the session or not depends on the patient and what gets stuck in my brain about their sessions. Um, but the majority of my patients I really like. And so like, yeah, I care about you. You're also not somebody that I can ever talk about outside of this session. And so like, I think that's also a thing. And I know I've talked for a long time, but I think people who are in therapy get to go to their friends and their family members and talk about their therapist. Like my therapist said, and so you as a therapist become a part of their everyday life. Whereas for us, we don't get to talk about people that way. And so our relationship with them stays really um, captured in that session um, and in those notes. And so it doesn't bleed into other areas of our life. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought up friends because um, as Ted is sort of acclimating to his relationship with Doc, he goes to Rebecca after his sort of like attempt to connect with her doesn't go well. And they both kind of bond over this idea that like, well, this is just, you're just supposed to have your friends, right? You're just supposed to talk to your friends, like all those intimate uh-huh. details. And like, you just, that's, that's what their friends are for, right? Uh-huh. You don't have to, you know, spill your soul to this, you know, person with a PhD on their wall. But then after they both agree about that, Rebecca asks him, or no, or, or Ted asks her, uh-huh. yeah, so anything, like, anything you want to talk about? Like, how, how is uh-huh. it? And then she's like, no, I don't think so. Uh, meanwhile, like, we know all the things uh-huh. that are going on with her. And she asks, like, what What about you? Anything you, you want to talk yeah. about? No, I'm good. No, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, so uh-huh. it's great to have that idea in theory that, uh-huh. yes, your friends are people you could open up to. But if we're acknowledging that we don't necessarily use those relationships in that way, and therapy could fill that gap, uh-huh. then 
Well, like, hey, how yeah. nice that you don't have to only have your friends for uh-huh. that type of emotional support. Yeah. And on the other side so. of it, uh, Jamie comes to Keely and wants to talk to her about the stuff that's yes. bothering him. And she goes, come with me. And she takes him to the therapist and is like, here's the person yeah. for that. Um, and then he has a quote right after that, which I love, is he goes, so what, do I just sit here and blabber on and on about myself? And she goes, basically, and he goes, nice. <laughs> which I yeah. think is like a really <laughs> wonderful, like... Yeah, totally. Description of therapy, which is like, where else in the world do you get however long you have your sessions for that's literally just about you? Just to show up and be, yeah. Yeah, and like your therapist may interject things about themselves in order to help you, but it's just because of you. Like it's all about you and and that's such a unique and cool experience to have. Yes, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and and we get a lot of the characters' uh, experiences and like deep dives of sort of what they're dealing with. The one episode in particular I'm thinking about is the, I want to say it's the seventh one where, yeah, it's the episode after Ted's first panic attack where, you know, we kind of get basically different characters kind of finally dealing with their stuff in an honest way. Um, Keely's honest and open with Roy about her needing space. Mm -hmm. Um, Ted is honest about, you know, the fact that he had a panic attack and, you know, finally starts down this road of, of actual uh, opening up with uh, Dr. Sharon. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting. I mean, so as a whole, I mean, some of the criticism of Ted Lasso season two is that, you know, not that much happens, (laughs) but for me, and I'm assuming for you as well, the sort of emotional journeys that we get from a lot of these individual characters is so powerful and is so uh, uh, revealing that for me, I, I there was not a moment of the season where I was like, I'm kind of bored. Like, what's what's really happening? Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, I don't know for you if you've had that same experience or not. Yeah, I think the one episode where I was like, what's happening was the Coach Beard episode, and then I found out sure. later that actually they got a an extension on their season, and so they got yes. to just put new episodes in they got to play yeah yeah but they didn't know how to do that without like interrupting like the actual story and so the two episodes that they added were the coach beard episode which i thought was great because we never get to just see him in his own Mm -hmm. world that's kind of what i expected his world to look like so to be fair i'm like okay yeah that's what i pictured (laughs) and then the christmas episode um, those are the yes. two Christmas, that they, which was great. Yeah, yeah, those are the two that they kind of threw in just because they got extra time, and I thought that that was. Yep. Uh, I thought that was great, but yeah, like I, I agree that like it. I didn't enjoy it as much as the first season, and I think because they said so much more during this season, right? Like the whole Sam, yeah. um narrative I thought was like wonderful like I said it makes me cry so much because it's so beautiful but like they said a lot with that and then obviously like Nate's whole journey which we'll get into in another episode yes we will but like Nate's whole journey made it hard to watch and I think what was so nice Mm -hmm. about season one was that the emotionality of it was pretty easy like Ted had a couple panic attacks but it like wasn't so bad 
but with this one, like there's, they're bringing up so much stuff, like Rebecca dating Sam. I'm like, this is so inappropriate. Like you're his boss, but also like you want to root for a love story. And so like, that's kind of stressful. And then the, again, like the Nate story is so stressful. And I think that's what makes it different than season one. And also it's still just lovely. (laughs) Oh yeah, well, and and you know, so we we get even more of a relationship development between Ted and Doctor Sharon. I think you know, sort of what Ted secretly wanted all along, uh-huh. right, is to be friends. Uh huh. So as they work through some of Ted's, you know, deeper issues with his panic attacks and uh, marriage and all these sorts of things that he's been through, we also start to see the softer side of Doctor Sharon. Mm-hmm. So one of the the episodes that, that I really liked was seeing her have a a little bicycle accident, right? Uh-huh. And then Ted's there to kind of help her out. And now the roles are reversed in um, how they help support each other. And it does start to look more like uh, a friendship. So it's a really interesting challenge for a therapist because I'm even in a team context. I don't think you'd have any expectation of having, you know, your patient in your apartment. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's where it gets a little tricky is that Ted starts seeing Sharon as his therapist and then they become friends. And so that's like a little bit tricky. And again, like a little bit Hollywood because like if she was not seeing him as his therapist, that whole relationship would be totally normal in terms of a team. Yeah. Great. Colleagues, basically. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. Um, I also, what I really love that they represent is that she has a therapist. I, of course, I love that. I was like, yes, let's remind people that our therapists are people because so often Mm -hmm. on the internet, I will see people say things about therapists and I'm like, people really think that there's some kind of like, god of some kind like what is happening like why do you think that these people aren't just people but anyway that's a different story so yeah i do think (laughs) that like because of who ted is it makes sense that that happened but to be totally honest if it were me and even if i like had fallen and had an accident and like had accidentally called a patient that wouldn't happen because i have two different phones but let's say that it happened sure and that person showed up to the hospital i would say Thank you very much. I appreciate the concern. Go home. Like, we will discuss this in our next session. So I do think that that's a little creepy. But they do, in the show, (laughs) make the transition then from, like, she's kind of no longer his therapist and now they're friends. So it's just, it's kind of tricky ground. Well, it's very tricky. And, And I think that's why, you know, we were sort of excited to talk about this season because... It is such a unique dynamic between patient and therapist Mm -hmm. that they go through. And all the long sort of all Ted wants is for Dr. Sharon to open up to him and tell him her favorite book and, Mm -hmm. you know, her hopes and dreams. And you can just tell that, like, that's the kind of relationship Ted wants. And they sort of do end up getting there. But then, you know, eventually, obviously, Dr. Sharon is in the process of leaving the team and... The moment when Ted sort of finds out that, you know, oh, she just wanted to give him a letter basically as a way of saying goodbye and moving on from the team. 
he takes it as you were only going to give me a letter. You weren't going to say goodbye. You weren't going to talk together as mm-hmm. friends one more time, basically. Which I think is fair. And we see the sort of, yeah, well, it's, it's, we see the most vulnerable side of Dr. Sharon, which mm-hmm. is basically like, this was the only way she knew how to communicate these feelings. I, which she's not twice as good at her job if that's how she communicates goodbyes. <laughs> well, right. That's why I bring this up because, you know, maybe there there certainly could have been a better way to do that. Mm-hmm. And and to your point, not only are our therapists human, but in so being human that we are flawed, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes there are things that we are better at than than others, but that's where the blurred lines of this relationship become really interesting because mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's there's a quote at some point where it's like, you know, things come into your life to help you lead to the next thing, which is, mm-hmm. you know, a, a very nice sort of like colloquialism, true or not. But I think they try to illustrate that with Dr. Sharon being that she does just sort of in some ways like get dropped into Ted's life and, you know, obviously benefits him greatly, mm-hmm. but also... You know, as a result of just sort of being in Ted's gravity, you also have to now become like a more emotionally connected or like vulnerable yeah. person. So yeah. it's just really interesting the way that they highlight that. Yeah. I believe as a therapist, the most important part of it is the ending of it. And does that mean it has to end in a certain way? No, it has to end in the way that's right for that person. So for mm-hmm. some people, it's they never reschedule with you. But what you need to do right. as a therapist is you reach out and you say like, if you'd like to reschedule, please give me a call. If I don't hear from you by this date, I'll go ahead and close your file. But you can always reach out if you want to schedule again. Mm-hmm. Because what you've done there is yep. you've let that person do what they need to do. And you've said like, I'm here. Yep. There's other patients who I've been working with for years and they go from every week to every other week to once a month until they're finally like, I don't think I need therapy anymore. And then they're like, I can come in and do a closure session. And they're like, I'm sure I'll be back. Sometimes with those people, I'm like, do you want to do a closure session? And they're like, not really. I'm like, great. <laughs> like, because for them, it's not, there doesn't need to be this closure because it's, they're just kind of moving on as we want them to do as their therapist. And then there's other patients who I've seen them every single week and then either I'm leaving or they're leaving or they just decide to end therapy, even though the work is still very actively ongoing. Those people I Mm -hmm. always want to meet with and have a session with and talk about like, what does this mean for you? What does this mean about therapy in the future? What are you going to take forward with you? Things like that. And That's because we see with Ted, bad experiences with therapy in the past can lead to it being hard to have therapy in the future. And so Hmm. one of the greatest things that we can do is we can end it on a really powerful, good note. And I always say to my patients, if you can do this with me, you can do it with someone else. I am a great therapist. I'm very good at my job, but I am not the only one. So if you can do this with Mm -hmm. me, you can do it with somebody else and not just therapy. Like if you can relate to me in this way, you can relate to any human in this way. And, and I think that that's really important. She just like, like if you said to a patient, like, Hey, my like contracts coming to an end next week, I won't get to see you before then, but I'll leave you in like a letter. That's also kind of okay. Because sometimes that's showing like circumstances aren't ideal, but I will give you a heads up and I will give you some closure to just like leave is yeah 
wild to me. So then I really like what they do is they go and they hang out socially and then Ted just yes. leaves. And I love that because he gets to leave on his own terms. Yeah. And he leaves in his very Ted way, which is like, here's the army man. Yes. Which I think is great and also made me think of Sam, who's wonderful, because he's like, I don't want this. And Ted's like, that makes sense. But that was in season one. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, that's my thought about her just like up and writing that letter. Like again, for um, Leslie, what's his last name? Higgins. Higgins. Yeah. Um, he's the director oh, of yeah. something mm -hmm. or other. For Higgins, the letter was fine because that was his relationship with her. Yeah. Like he was like, cool, great. Mm -hmm. We're passing in the night as thanks. you use Good my luck. office. Yeah. Like yeah. thanks for my office back. Mm -hmm. yeah. But for him, it was great. For <laughs> Ted, it was really not great. If she like didn't say goodbye to Danny, maybe it would be fine. Maybe she and Danny have not spoken since that first session. Right. In which case sure. their closure happened forever ago. Yeah. So yeah, mm -hmm. I, that made me so angry. I was like, you can't just leave. Thank goodness she has a therapist because that's actually kind of problematic for her patients. Yeah. 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 So Haley, I'm wondering if we should acknowledge that we are going to do at least one, maybe multiple more episodes on Ted Lasso season two. Mm -hmm. We are not going to leave out Nate. We want to do a whole discussion about Nate's uh, sort of descent, as well as, you know, some of our favorite quotes from the season. So before we do that and talk more about that stuff. I'm pause you for one second. Okay. What was it that I said that I, I was like, I have a thought on that. And the funny thing about the Higgins office situation is when there's a therapist who joins a team like that, it is very seldom that they get an office. Usually they are the ones that are like, let's step into this closet for a bit or like, Popping around. like oh, yeah, look, the yeah, weight yeah. room is empty. <laughs> let's step in here. Like the number of times I've had to get creative about where I meet somebody either at a school or at a hospital or like in a um like in an inpatient unit or like in a probation office like things like that so when i saw <laughs> that they were like here just have this office and then higgins was bouncing around i was like that's nice that's not usually how that happens <laughs> well why i mean yeah. that, i think that tells us way more about higgins than it does about uh 100%. like therapy in yeah in these sorts of contexts yeah, yeah. 100%. higgins very content to just let whatever people's needs are take precedence oh, so higgins Love Higgins. You know, why don't we do some ratings of uh, Ted and Dr. Sharon Bielstone's relationship? I think that's great. So, on a scale from one to five Greyhound puppies from, oh, yeah. I think it's called Barkingham Palace, which is so cute. Yes, very good. Yes. How accurate do you feel that therapy as a whole was represented in season two of Ted Lasso? So yeah, we, we pointed out some of the things that don't feel quite right, whether it's the relationship dynamics, whether it's the sort of miracle one session. But that being said, um, I thought a lot of the depictions were pretty close. Like I was happy watching it. I mean, we'll kind of lead, lead that into like the entertainment mm -hmm. piece of this, which is this idea that therapy is a very normal, ideally structured opportunity for teams, people, couples, individuals to sort of take advantage of the support that it offers. So from that standpoint, uh, I was really happy with uh, Dr. Sharon Fieldstone's representation. Mm -hmm. But because of some of the specifics of 
the relationship dynamics. Um, I thought some of that was probably not very accurate. So I'm going to give it like a 3.95, like good, but missing some things or maybe generalizing some things or like therapy cliches that sort of, um, as we've acknowledged before, like sort of Hollywoodized what exactly happens in this context. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a pretty accurate rating. It's a little bit tougher to think about those relationship dynamics because it does look different when you are an organization's therapist rather than a person's therapist. So, yeah. Yeah. So in thinking about the sort of entertainment piece of this relationship, um, on a scale of one to five boppy birds on Dr. Sharon's desk, (laughs) which made me ask if you ever have, if you have any, like, what did Ted call them? Like accoutrement, like in your therapy (laughs) office, Uh you know, uh, how sort of entertaining or what sort of, uh, vibes and value did you find that the therapy and mental health portion brought to season two? Yeah, absolutely. I do have accoutrement. I have my favorite one is I have, um, sadness from inside out sitting on my shelf of course, uh, because sadness is the one that ultimately saved the day. Um, that's right. And I have a Rubik's cube. Those are, but also like I do telehealth now. And so like the, like the, so it's not as much fun, yeah, the engagement <laughs> value of the things that I have. Cause I used to have yeah. like uh, silly putty and fidget toys and yeah. all those sorts of things yeah. lying around have no need for those anymore. So those are in a box somewhere, so but, sad. but the things yeah. that I can display, um, those are on the shelf behind me when I do therapy. Um, on a scale from one to five of the boppy bird toys on her desk, which I actually had no idea what you were talking about until I saw your hand movement. I was like, Oh until yes, I was that doing thing. This. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am going to, so it's a weird answer. So I'm going to give it a, four in terms of how I think it adds to the storyline. So I think they bring up things that require attention um, in a meaningful way. So like right off the bat, Danny, how are we going to get Danny through this? It's also clear that they needed to bring up something like that so that Dr. Sharon could come so that we could move the Mm storyline along for Ted, because Ted was never going to find a therapist on his own. Um, for sure. And so I definitely think that the story, the therapy storyline adds really well um, or adds, adds a lot to the storyline. I think the Danny piece is very entertaining. So I think that that's just super funny. So I'm like, ah, like that it brought entertainment in that way. When it comes to Ted, that's not really the entertaining piece of Ted. That's the human piece of Ted. And so do I think that the therapy was entertaining in that way. No, not really. Um, but I still give it a four in terms of like how it added to the overall storyline. I think it was a very necessary storyline, uh, based on what they set up in season one, um, which lets, and we spoke in season one that like, if Ted were always this upbeat person, he would be hard to relate to and would kind of suck a little bit. (laughs) And so having this storyline actually allows us as a whole to like Ted more. So definitely adds to it. Yeah, right. So if you're interested, check out our our season one episode. We go through all like toxic positivity and all the sort of interesting dynamics that Ted has when he initially comes into the team. So definitely check that episode out. 
Haley, we're going to wrap this episode up, but definitely look out for more content from us on Ted Lasso because we are going to dive into uh, Nate the Great uh, as well as some of our favorite quotes and sort of, uh, you know, the the feelings that it, they brought up for us. So thank you all, as always, for listening to Pop Psych 101. Check us out on all the different social channels at Pop Psych 101. And thanks, as always, for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.